The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. And now, the man who takes the BS out of BS, Bill Spohn. I'm excited about today's podcast. This is my first interview with a founder of a publicly traded company and my second interview with a European guest. First interview is with a gentleman from the Isle of Man named Big Clive. Well, today we'll be speaking with Erlen Bolle, whose life journey took him from working at CERN, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research, to building a global publicly traded company that innovates consumer and professional grade radon and indoor air quality monitors. His team's initial goal was to create a product relevant for all in volume production that improves people's health. I think they've achieved that goal. You can learn how, by listening to this podcast, how the team at AirThings works to understand consumer needs as society, homes, and the world changes over time. I put some links in the show notes to describe what CERN is, Wikipedia article. Just keep in mind, this is a 27-kilometer diameter particle accelerator. That's over 16 and three-quarters miles diameter. You can also learn more about Erlen on his LinkedIn profile. Again, link in the show notes. His company, AirThings. And you can see his products for sale at True Tech Tools. This episode was recorded in January 2022, and I will let you take a listen to Erland as he describes how he went from particle accelerators to radon measurements, the EarthThings story. Good morning, Erland. Good morning, Bill. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Sure. And you're calling in from, or podcasting with you from Norway over a very clear connection. Yeah, it's at least on my end, it's crystal clear. Hope it's the same situation on your end. Good, good. So for the listeners that aren't familiar, can you first tell us who is AirThings? What kind of company is AirThings? So AirThings is a radon and indoor air quality monitoring company. It started back in 2008. So I'm one of the founders, uh, been with the company now for a good 13 years. Started out with making our own radon sensor. So making a digital radon sensor. So the first eight years we really worked on ground, uh, groundbreaking science in terms of sensor technology, and over the years also developed our own radon monitor. So the first years we worked on digitized radon detection and became a global leader in that in like 2014, 2015. At that point, we also decided to branch out to not only do radon monitors, but also do indoor air quality monitoring. Radon is anyways a part of indoor air quality. So since 2015, 2016, AirThings have then been developing a broad solution both for radon and indoor air quality monitoring for homes and commercial buildings. We also have a small product range for radon professionals, so home inspectors specifically. What drew your company to do radon sensors? What motivation, experience, background? I've been lucky enough to work at CERN for quite a few years. So CERN is this 27 kilometer particle accelerator where you crash particles at the speed of light against each other and look at what pops out. I would say it's a big playground for physicists, <laughs> but there is really the best physicists from around the world gathered there to solve really the tough scientific challenges. So I was lucky enough to be a part of that environment for some years and through that, met some great people and definitely learned a lot. 
But we were a team there that felt working on this is interesting enough, but we were really more and even more interested in how can we apply this in the real world. Typically, we were working on things that would be applied in a experiment in 10 to 15 to maybe 20 years, right? So really long time horizon. So we asked ourselves, what we have learned here, can we really apply this to something that's important in everyone's daily life? So we had some requirements for ourselves. We wanted to something that can be produced in volumes. So this is really something that is relevant for everyone, something that kind of goes in the direction of, or something that improves people's health, trying to solve also a global issue. And we really, these ideas were floating around in our head before we really knew what the idea actually was. What were we going to build or what was going to be the foundation of starting this company? But I guess it's quite common when you try to find a problem or try to find out which problem to solve is that you look within the field where you know the most. And for us, that was radiation detection. I mean, working with those experiments and looking at what came out of those collisions is radiation detection in the end. And we had also worked with a lot with medical devices within radiation detection. So we really knew a lot about that field. And almost, I would say, stumbled upon the fact that what most people are exposed to when it comes to ionizing radiation, which is not healthy for you, some is, some is not, was more than 50% of it for an average person came from radon. So you might think that it's from the atmosphere or from medical applications or other things, but it's really... Radon exposure is more than 50% of the ionizing exposure for an average person per year. You mentioned founders, other people at CERN. Are they still with the company? Who are they? Yeah, so it's Björn Sundal and Kukiyoshuka. They are definitely still with the company. Everyone that founded the company are also still working in the company after 13 years. So, Can you describe briefly, not too far in depth, but what is radon? Why is it an ionizing issue and why does it have a health effect on people? Radon is an odorless, colorless, tasteless gas, which is also invisible to the human eye. So it's not really something we can see or get visually exposed to in our daily life. But at the same time, it's a radioactive gas. So potentially quite harmful for us, at least at elevated levels. So radon, first of all, radon comes from the crust. So it comes from the rocks in the earth. So uranium in the earth or in the crust then decays and then emits radon gas. Radon gas is a noble gas and then it seeps up through the ground. It mixes with the air we breathe in every day, right? So those 28,000 breaths we take every day contains a certain amount of radon. But being outdoors, it gets diluted to such levels that it's not harmful to you. But when it comes to indoor radon levels, that can creep up to unhealthy levels. We can cover that more in detail afterwards. But the fact is that when you breathe in this radioactive gas, it decays. When a radioactive gas decays, it sends out ionizing radiation. In the case of radon, it sends out alpha particles, which is quite heavy particles. And when this hits that fragile lung tissue, it can trigger cell mutations. When it emits in free air and ionizing radiation just hits our skin, it hits the layer of dead skin and doesn't cause any harm. But our lung tissue is so thin and so fragile. There you have the DNA really up onto the barrier where it kind of meets the air. Um, there you can trigger cell mutations. And then that could then lead to lung cancer. So in the US and general in the world, it's the leading cause for lung cancer for non-smokers. So 
definitely serious health issue. In US, it takes about 21,000 lives every year, which is close to seven or eight times more than house fires takes every year. So, Wow. And your website, forairthings.com, has tremendous resources for explaining all this in detail for any listeners who want to dive deeper into this subject. You've, you've done a fantastic job at compiling resources in a, I'll say, user-friendly way a way that people can understand and appreciate quickly and digest the information. So congratulations on doing that well. You also mentioned a professional line of products. You cover the full spectrum from we'll call consumer devices. In fact, we chatted before we began about the Consumer Electronics Show, which your company regularly visits because you do have a consumer line of products, but you also have a professional line of products. Does having a professional line of products that are certified help you build better consumer products? I would say the answer to that question is definitely yes. And the reason is that when it comes to a professional line of products, these products need to be certified, right? So they go through a yearly test. We have to certify our products to, with ARST and NRPP, which is the national organizations in US handling this. So you have to meet a certain quality standard, which is excellent. These products goes together with, in many states in the U.S. at least, goes together or are used when you sell a home. So you do then a short-term 48-hour test through a home inspector, and they need both certified and approved instruments to do that. So that's our professional line. But back to your question, that same technology that we are using in these products are also what we use in our consumer line. So even though the requirements in terms of yearly calibration and those things are not so strict when it comes to consumer devices, we use the same technology that's developed then for the professional application. I know the answer to this question, but I want you to explain it for the listeners. Why isn't, say, I bought a house, I had a radon inspection done three years ago. Why do I need a consumer monitor? I had a professional check it. Hey, it was good. Why do I need one today? This is a very common question that we get. A lot of people think it's it's good enough to measure for, let's say, take a 48-hour test that is done with the, in the, when, when you do a house transaction, and, and that's it. If it comes through green, everything is fine. But truth to be said, and this we can back with a lot of data, is that radon levels changes a lot throughout the year. It can easily, in one location, change with a factor 20 to 30 within days, weeks, and months. And some of it is called seasonal variations. If you live in a cold country like Norway, we close up our homes during the winter, meaning that you ventilate your home less to save energy, but that also means that you accumulate a higher level of radon concentration in your home. But when the summer comes, we open the windows to let that fresh summer air in. So then you naturally then would dilute the radon concentration. So that's the seasonal variations, where it's typically higher than in the cold season and lower in the summer months. But it's also been affected by how you use your home, how you ventilate it. Weather is an extremely important factor. Is it high pressure, low pressure? Which direction is the wind coming from? What's the temperature differences? All these things are affecting the pressure that you have inside your home, which again then would affect how much of that radon that comes from the ground that actually enters into your home. Does the state of the soil, the earth around the home, have an impact in terms of moisture, frozen, etc.? Yep, definitely has an impact. In some cases, it can dry out over the years, meaning that it becomes more open pore. And so then more of that air from the ground would come up and it would enter into your home. But it's also the fact that it can be transported to locations as well, right? When you build a home, you get a lot of gravel in, 
So we see that in many cases, which are in a super green zone, because, I mean, at EPA and other resources, you can look at the radon map. But if the gravel or the material that is not used to construct the home has not been checked, you might even add a problem that wasn't there before. And a fun fact is that some countries used to use certain types of shale when making bricks. So this was back in the 60s or 70s. So even how homes that have been constructed with radioactive material. That's a bit trickier to fix, though. Let's talk a minute about the radon map. If you live in a green zone, does it mean no worries? The recommendation from authorities is that everyone should measure. The maps are first and foremost used to survey where should we put homes or not. Are we putting someone in a super red zone? Do we need to take special precautions? But when it comes down to you living in your home and how the air quality or the rain levels is at your home, there are so many factors that affects it that, okay, looking at the radar map could give you some kind of pointers. But at the same time, we had many cases where they live in a green zone and they, anyways, they measure high radon levels. So it's not an insurance by no means. And where I live is in southwestern Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. I know for a fact my house is built over a coal mine, an abandoned former coal mine. In fact, I bought what's called mine subsidence insurance, which the state offers at a very low rate in case that encourages people to continue to build on the outside chance that something does collapse from the mines beneath. So it is an important factor, especially here. I think we're pretty much in a red zone where I am in near Pittsburgh. But there's another factor I've read about. I'd like you to speak towards radon in water. Can it come in through the water supply? Say in a well water situation, which is what I have here, actually. (laughs) So radon is actually very solvent in water. So this is a problem, especially when you have ground water. If it comes through from great big reservoirs, then the, typically the water have been sitting there for a while and it has been, you, almost, you can almost say that the radon has decayed and been bred out of the water. But when you have groundwater that comes directly into your home, um, everything that it then picks up on its way, you bring in to your home, basically. So there are separate tests for this. Typically, the state provides radon water tests for radon levels, especially for those that have groundwater. But there's not so much you can do about it, actually. But it's definitely something that's good to check. One way to do it is to, if it's really high levels, is, of course, to create that reservoir on your own, right? Bunker up water in a tank or something and let it sit there for a while before you bring it into your home. For years, there's been simple tests for radon, little packets or badges that you can hang or put around inexpensive things. Can you explain how those work in general? Yep. That's typically referred to as radon test kits. So there's two versions, either there's a charcoal test, so charcoal absorbing radon in the air over a few days, envelope is closed up, sent back to a lab where they analyze the radon concentration in the charcoal. The other method is using a black box. Inside that black box, there's a small plastic film. When you then expose it to air and radon comes in there, those alpha particles that I talked about earlier, they would actually leave holes in that plastic film. So then you can understand how powerful these particles are. So wow. They blow out the plastic material. Exactly. So if you look at it and look at this piece of plastic under a microscope, you could actually see the holes in the plastic itself. 
not so common anymore to have CDs, but for those that have CDs, yeah, if you have them lying around for a while and you have a good microscope, you could be looking at them as well. And so if you have high rating levels, you would actually see holes in your CD discs as well. It can quantify how much alpha particle decay has happened. You know how long you've exposed it. So it's a rate per time of exposure. And then Exactly. An inference can be made about radon concentration at that point. Yeah. So typically you write kind of start point, end point, and when it comes back to the lab, they use that then to calculate the radon levels. And I've also seen in the past that you said you've worked from CERN, you've worked on the digital sensors. There's been other sensors that use charged canisters. Can you describe that technology a little bit? Charged canister, yes. So it's also typically something that is not available for consumers, but I guess you refer to more... To the professionals, yeah. Yeah, professionals, yeah. There is something called the grab sample. I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to, where they kind of grab a certain amount of air. A volume of air. A volume of air, and then they look at the decay from that volume, and it ends up being very accurate because you know exactly what volume you're looking at, and based on that, you can calculate a very accurate a very accurate radon level or radon exposure. What transformation have you seen in terms of digital radon measurement? What's the feedback you're getting? And this is a worldwide product, so what is the feedback you're getting from around the world? I think that one of the bigger drivers for us to do this, and also what we see in general, but one of our biggest drivers was the techniques that you refer to is typically something that was available through more specialized channels. So because there was a lab involved and it was a bit of a, it was not something that typically a retailer or not a typical product they took in, if you like to put it like that. So by making this digital transformation, we, so going from analog techniques to digital techniques, you make it more of a consumer product in a sense. So for us, it meant that we now sell in all the bigger retail channels. I mean, Home Depot, Best Buy, Loves. So it's available where people shop their TVs or, or other electronics. It's a true consumer product. True consumer product, which is in general a challenge when it comes to radon, is awareness. So how do we bring that awareness out there? Yes, we are making it available to people and they see it when they go and buy their other things. I think that's been one of the bigger wins when it comes to digitizing it, making it accessible and available for people. But at the same time, it's also allowing people to understand what they're actually measuring to a certain extent, much better than you do with these test kits. Because with the test kits, you put them in a corner or you put them up somewhere, you measure and you send it back to the lab, right? While with a digital device, you can see how it fluctuates. You can look at what is affecting it now. Is it, a, okay, there's a low pressure coming in. Oh, Radon levels are suddenly rising, or I can see that it's raining today. So, oh no, the the soil sucks up all the rain. Okay, oh, all the radon now is coming in through my home because no, it's got to find a path to come through. I got to find a path, right? In that sense, uh, the educational bit where people kind of start to understand more and more of what it is, how it's entering their home, and what they can do about it. Because with a digital device, you can see, okay, I sealed up this crack now. Did it go from eight picocuries down to four? oh, I improved my ventilation. I installed a new HVAC system or a balanced HVAC system. Does it go from hazardous 10 picocuries per liter down to one? Or I installed my radon mitigation system. What happens? Or it fails, stopped working. Yeah, because you weren't aware of it. So the digitally accessible information really goes back to your goal of being relevant for all. So congratulations, because it seems like you're well on your way to achieving that goal, if you aren't there already. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
And at some point in the last couple of years, AirThings became a publicly traded company on the Norway or stock exchange. Can you talk about anything, not private information, but just in general, why do that? And what's the result been? This is something we did in, back in October 2020. Yeah, so a bit more than one and a half years ago. We really have big ambitions as a company, both to, I would say, raise the credibility of the business that we're in, also being able to put us in a better place when it comes to kind of expanding globally, because, I mean, you need more investments to do that. Access to capital there is definitely important. And also be a more, also more attractive as a workplace. There's a lot of good reasons to do it, but definitely it's also setting us up for being able to scale globally. And then lately, I have some in my home, so... I'm happy to use these products here. And we sell them at True Tech Tools also, the consumer level ones, as well as the pro ones. The migration to indoor air quality in general to add other parameters. First, it was temperature and humidity. So you've done this creeping growth into more indoor air quality parameters. How was your roadmap defined and how is that coming along? Last year, we launched our most complete indoor air quality monitor so far. So it's called the View Plus. What we're really doing there is that we cover all the most important aspects of everyone's indoor air quality. So, okay, true as you say that we have temperature, humidity, more comfort type of parameters, but there is a CO2 sensor there. There is a VOC sensor, which is more being able, I mean, it's there for to be able to detect like chemicals in the air. This, of course, a radon sensor. And we have also now added particulate matter. So PM, PM 2.5. And we also have pressure inside that product. So it's a product with seven sensors, seven of the more important indoor air quality parameters. We sell that both to consumers and to businesses. And just to kind of speak to the quality and the fit of that product, it's also been approved and accredited now by Reset and others, which are certification solutions when it comes to the commercial building space for indoor air quality monitors. And when it comes to commercial building space, the need to communicate that information becomes important. How is that achieved with the products? To communicate not just through an app, because a building owner and manager has different needs than just in an app. When we develop our solution, we are taking those different stakeholders into account, if you like. How can we provide information to those that are using the building, so the tenants? So there are a couple of solutions. We have a QR code that they can print out with each product, can hang it next to the product. Everyone can scan the QR code, and then you can get a full breakdown of the indoor air quality in that room. At that moment from that sensor. Exactly. And you can also see the history. But for on the view series, we also added a display, so a configurable display. So that means that those that are, if you are in a meeting room, for instance, you can see the, how are the CO2 levels evolving. Or another case that is now extremely relevant is indoor air quality at schools. So after COVID, they're going back to schools. Almost everyone, at least, wants indoor air quality monitors now. They want to make sure that the spaces are properly ventilated, so they reduce the risk of COVID spread. And then it's, of course, important not only to in involve the owners of the buildings or the schools, but also the ones that are using the schools or the classrooms. So that's why a display becomes important. But all our products are also connected. So Internet of Things, IoT products, if you like. So the data can seamlessly be brought to our cloud. There we have then a web dashboard that typically a building owner would use to go in and analyze the situation, take out reports, 
integrate to their BMS system or integrate to other solutions. Then, but that's then typically done through our web dashboard or API. And I noticed that the web dashboard is also available to the prosumer or the curious consumer through the app. You can immediately get access to more, say, refined information. Correct. Which is very good of you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I believe a lot of people have this natural curiosity that they want to fulfill. And you can feed that curiosity, their learning, their understanding, and then go back to your goal of communicating the information and getting to people to change behaviors and have more awareness. Definitely. And it's, yeah, so that's part of that making people educated and nudge them to make its changes either through their behavior or be it uh, install other products that will help them solve their problems. And speaking of that, could you speak maybe a little bit towards any kind of myths or misconceptions when it comes to the topic of radon? Things that people think are correct but are not really correct. I think the most common one is the one that we already talked about where they said that, okay, one measurement point in time is my radon exposure. But the uh, radon exposure is really like, it's like smoking, right? So smoking a couple of cigarettes doesn't kill you, but if you smoke over years, that's for the health risk. Or maybe like uh, exposure to the sun and skin cancer. Or exposure to the sun, yeah. In fact, that's another radiation, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Other misconceptions. Maybe also like the green zone area, like I'm on a map and it looks okay, Therefore, I don't have to worry about it. There's a guy that has a YouTube channel called The Build Show, Matt Reisinger. I believe he's used your products and he's discovered some things that made him a little nervous about homes he's worked on, that he's seen higher levels than he expected and he thought it would be okay, but it's changed his perception now to to be looking all the time for this. Yeah, I think for his case, wasn't it in Texas that did some tests? Yeah, he's near Austin. Yep. Exactly. This is the problem of a big misconception, but it's more probably <laughs> another fun fact is that there are some radon spas around, right? So you can go to a spa. To be purposefully exposed. Exactly, to extremely high radon levels. But that's not to cure lung cancer, though. It's more to, I think there is someone believe that it could help for certain skin diseases. But that's, I personally think it's a, that's a stretch. <laughs> that's a stretch. We had also mentioned before we started here, you're at the Consumer Electronics Show. You also be at the AHR Expo. You've been coming there for a number of years, three or four years? Yep. We've been through there three or four years, but exhibiting now for the second year or third year. Yeah. And building up your U.S. team, your infrastructure in the U.S., and we're, we're very happy to see that for communication and availability of products. So that's a really good thing. I think we've covered a lot today. I want to give our listeners their ears back in a few minutes. But do you have any closing thoughts on the topic of air things, indoor air quality, and radon? Closing thoughts? No, I think it's something that's extremely very, or I would say that COVID probably have made air and air quality more and more, or something that people know more and more about, which I think is great, which is pointing out again back to that educational piece. But for us, at least, we will continue to educate people on the various aspects of both radon and indoor air quality and see how, I think it's interesting also how important energy consumption is in that whole play, at least when it comes to HVAC or indoor air quality. So how can really that be optimized and uh, how can this not only be contribute to improve people's health, but also enabling people to save energy. Am I thinking the a tighter home is better for energy, but maybe not for health, unless you pay attention to factors and your products help people pay attention to those factors. So it's the insight into 
the impact on the air that things like better building and building in new areas or building with gravel that comes from a different area <laughs> that, that comes into play here. I would say, but that's definitely a worry. I mean, when we move to this tighter and tighter houses, are we getting ventilation right? Are we making it better for people to live there? I mean, like there is definitely some interesting challenges there and something to be aware of. You can move the air, but it's what is in the air that you're moving and the pressures that may drive radon into the structure. You could still have a tight house, but still be getting radon accumulation. Even though you have fresh air that's good for CO2, it might not be good with the radon concentration. But I mean, fixing some of these things is, I mean, fixing your radon issue probably is good also for your indoor air quality, like CO2 levels and other things. That's another thing. I mean, fixing one air quality issue might even help you fix others that you might have. Paying attention to the whole topic. Very good. Thank you, Erland. It was interesting. Glad I got the chance to meet you, talk with you, and we hope we can continue this communication. I suspect that you'll have new products in the future. And so maybe we'll get you back on when you have some new products that you can talk about. But right now it's the View Plus is the new one coming out in the market as of just this month, January 2022. No, yeah. So View Plus has been out there for some months. We launched now at CES, we launched View Radon and View Pollution, which is, I would call it subsets of our flagship product, View Plus. So View Radon is continuing to build out our radon portfolio radon products. So bringing both kind of Wi-Fi and a screen to our connected portfolio for those that are only interested in radon. And then we have pollution device, which is more for city apartments, those that live in polluted areas that are mainly concerned with particulate matter and other pollutants floating around in there. Well, thank you again. Wish you well and look forward to speaking to you again. And thank you for coming on the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Thanks a lot for having him in our show, Bill. Thanks for listening to this episode with Erlen Bola on the Air Things story. If you're interested in communicating with me, letting me know what you thought of this or have ideas for future topics, you can email me at bill at truetechtools.com. I also host the Res Talk podcast where you can learn more about the world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. I want to thank you for listening in, and please follow us on Facebook or download the podcast on any typical podcast app or at buildinghvacscience.com. Thanks, and have a great day.